Some of the phrases he uses are, are pretty standard. I've always had an interest in business. So uh, he, uh, when he was at university, he was interested in, uh, when he graduated, interested in finding work in some kind of a business-type occupation. Um, I found I find it interesting. He said, I took a degree in geography, um, and I think, in general, I would say, I I. I got my degree, or I got a degree in in geography, or I. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's well, more you, you common know, you, to say it that way. Right, but one thing there I think that's interesting is that even native speakers don't always use the language, mm -hmm. not necessarily correctly, but as accurately right. as they should. I mean, typically you take a course. Right. So I took a course in geography. I got my degree in geography. Mm -hmm. I earned a degree mm -hmm. in geography. Mm -hmm. He didn't take his degree in right. geography. Mm -hmm. He right. took a course, and he passed it and got a degree. Right. And but probably, if he were writing, he would write, I got my degree, or I right. got a degree. But he was speaking, and he was thinking, and, and it just kind of came out, right. I, I took a degree, uh, probably. Yes. So then he said, I got into geography. I got into geography. I took geography. You could also say, I took geography. Mm-hmm. So, again, one thing is that we are looking at the spoken language here, which is necessarily going to be a little more casual and, and uh, you know, different people will have different uh, ways of speaking. And, and, of course, one thing we should point out about our content at The Linguist is that uh, we don't write it, or most of it we don't write. Most of it is authentic conversation. And when people are speaking... Uh, in real-life situations, they don't always speak grammatically correctly. And, and this is an example uh, of, of, of a phrase that, you know, probably shouldn't have been said that way, but Fraser said it that way. Everybody understands what he said, and it's just part of a natural conversation. But not necessarily something that you should copy. Fraser again says, I was partial to the environment. Well, no one is opposed to the environment. You know, we are all partial to <laughs> means in favor of. Right. I like, uh, you know, uh, between pollution and non-pollution, I prefer pollution. I mean, non-pollution. Uh -huh. All right. So we wouldn't normally say that. You may say, I am interested in the environment. I think the issues surrounding the environment are very important. But I was partial to the environment. That's not as accurate as could be. But we understand what he's saying. Right. What he's and saying. And that's important with non-native speakers is they need to be able to infer a little bit. They need to, from the whole context of the sentence or the paragraph, understand what the person means, even if they don't always choose the most accurate word. You know, it reminds me, I've often been in situations where uh, I've either I've had to be the interpreter from, say, Japanese to English or English to Chinese or whatever, or I've, I've watched as an interpreter tried to interpret. And we've had Canadians go over there, and I listen to this Canadian, and I can kind of guess what he's trying to say, because he speaks so poorly. This is a native speaker. He so speaks English so, so poorly. You say Canadians go over, over where? To China, Japan. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't... Yeah. You see, here again, I'm not being right. very accurate in my speech. So someone will get up and say something in a very homey very sort of casual, lots of inferences, you know, lots of things that we as Canadians might pick up on. Right. Maybe some uh, grammatically incorrect statements. And I look at the face of this poor Chinese or Japanese interpreter 
who does not understand <laughs> what he's talking about. I have trouble understand, <laughs> understanding what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So this is often a challenge for an interpreter. There are many people who speak their own language very inaccurately. Mm-hmm. Fact of life. That's right. So, um, and so that's another thing to consider too for, 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 for learners out there who are, are too caught up in trying to speak perfectly. You don't have to speak perfectly. You need to get your meaning across. Uh, you need to across. get your meaning across. Obviously, the more in this, you know, that isn't per- maybe not a good phrase for you to learn. But we'll try to point out good phrases for you to learn. And if you can, if you can uh, spit out those correct phrases when you're speaking, then obviously your language is going to be more correct. However, uh, a word of caution: the native speaker will wander away from correct usage in a way that is somehow it corresponds to things that he has heard and that other native speakers can relate to. It's acceptable. The non-native speaker doesn't have that luxury, cannot afford to do that, because the non-native speaker already has so many things that the native speaker can't really relate to. So in my book, and I always say this, I, I, I really believe it, although many teachers don't, you should write as if you're speaking and speak as if you're writing, if you're a non-native speaker. So when you go to write, don't write in some very complicated and uh, uh, you know sophisticated prose where you takes you half an hour to write two lines because you're looking every word up in the dictionary. Write as if you're speaking. And, and as you get better... And yeah, you but even when you're getting better, keep it sentences. simple. Uh, simple sentences. It's the most effective, even for native speakers. Mm-hmm. Many books today are written in a very conversational style. Mm-hmm. I really recommend that. And then, when you speak, don't try to be too slangy. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be too casual. Uh, for the non-native speaker, I've always taken this approach in speaking other languages. Try to have one neutral form of the language that works both in speaking and writing. Of course, necessarily, you'll be a little more formal in writing. You'll be a little more casual when speaking. But you shouldn't consciously try to be too casual when speaking. Anyway, there it is. Sure. And moving, moving on, let's, let's, we can move on to the next uh, phrase, I think, which is, uh, what sorts of things have you been doing? Uh, what sorts of things is probably a useful expression, Jill. What... Uh what co- what kinds or what types of things have you been doing? Things is very very general. What I mean, you could just say what have you been doing. You don't have to say what sorts of things or what types of things or what kinds of things have you been doing. You can omit things, um, but basically it means what have you been doing? What has been going on in in your life? However, if you say what sorts of things, it's a little different. F- from what have you been doing? It, if you say, what sorts of things have you been doing? I mean, in fact, it means the same. But if you look at it more closely, he might say, well, I've been playing tennis, I went skiing, I, uh, you know, I went on a holiday, I had a good uh, you know, dinner last night. In other words, you're kind of looking for information out of, about a variety act of activities. Whereas if you say, what have you been doing? Well, you know, I've been hanging out with my brother. Or maybe but I'm that's wrong. if that's what you were doing. I mean, right. if somebody's been traveling the world and they've been doing a whole bunch of things, and you say, "What have you been doing?" They're likely to list the things that they've been doing. That's true. If they haven't been doing anything, then they're going to say, "Well, I haven't been up to too much." Now, in this case, where he says, "So that made you look at the forest industry," 
what sorts of things have you been doing? I, 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 it, it's kind of hard to explain why, but in that situation, what have you been doing probably wouldn't be as good. Mm-hmm. What right. sorts of things? That's why I suggest that in this contest yeah. in particular, he's looking for a little more information. What different approaches? Like if I were being more formal, I would say what different approaches? What kinds of people? What kinds of people have you gone to see? Uh, so you're looking for some more for some more specific information, mm-hmm. but. Um, I mean, we have to recognize that communication with language, there's a whole, there are many things that go into it, and we don't necessarily rely only on the very specific meaning of each word to convey the the overall meaning. We don't want to get too philosophical here. I think we're, we're I think we've beaten the, the first part of that uh, conversation <laughs> to death, as we say. I think, uh, <laughs> I think so. I think everybody can uh, obviously should spend time uh, listening to this to the excerpt, ideally coming onto our site at thelinguist.com, finding this item in our library and listening to it uh, many times and reading it, looking up the words and looking up the phrases. When you say looking up, in other words, saving them in their linguist database. Saving them and also obviously looking up the meanings or translation. On the automatic dictionary. Using our our translation tools and, of course, uh, asking our tutors if you have questions about some of the phrases that you still aren't able to understand. You can, uh, of course, ask questions on our forum, which our tutors will answer. And Uh, you can come to a conversation to discuss this item with other learners and a tutor, Mm -hmm. if you're interested. But I'll just point out that you do have to be a member of the linguist to do all of these things. Just coming to our site does not permit you to do all of these things. You will need to sign up for the the 14-day free trial. Absolutely. Well, good. Thank you both for uh, joining us, and we'll uh, see you all next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.